whatever it is, it's all about everyone doing it. It's that old, hey, if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make it at 100 miles an hour. On the offensive line, if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make it together. And that way, we all know where we're supposed to be going. And if we're making a mistake, it's at the spot that we've all collectively planned on. Mike Golick Jr. is a broadcaster and host of the Gojo podcast. On the field, he was an offensive guard for Notre Dame, where he was coached by Harry Heastan, a Joe Moore disciple. He was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Pittsburgh Steelers and spent time in the NFL from 2013 to 15 with the Steelers and the Saints. He's now part of the committee that selects the winner of the Joe Moore Award. He joined us to discuss the Joe Moore Award and what makes a great offensive line unit, the chemistry of an offensive line, how the offensive line has evolved in today's up-tempo game, and a framework for determining the best O-line unit in college football. You'll enjoy his insight into the game, which he developed through the lens of an offensive lineman. We include our winning edge takeaways at the end of the interview. Here's our conversation with Mike Golick Jr. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. We're back to discuss more of the Joe Moore Award and what that's become, what it means, how that's evaluated, what makes a great offensive line. And today joining me is Mike Golick Jr., who is part of the Joe Moore lineage, having played for Harry Heastan at Notre Dame, went on and played in the NFL for a little bit and kicked around professional football. And then now we know him and the work he does in the media. So Mike, I'm excited to be talking about the Joe Moore award and having you here today to do that. You know, it's funny. You go out now in the media world. I'm, you know, I guess what we all call a generalist, right? I do daily sports talk. I talk about a little bit of everything, but getting to work around this award and having the chance to, you know, chop it up with you here and actually talk about the position I I played and, really played my whole life. Like I always tell people, I didn't have Pop Warner football where I was playing running back first or getting a moonlight at quarterback or some other position. My hand was in the dirt and I was in a three-point stance from the time I was in the fourth and fifth grade on. So getting back to this is always the, you know, the, the fun time for me in the media space to get to talk about it. Once you play offensive line, you really can't take the old lineman out of the person. I mean, there's, there's definitely yeah. things about the position that stick. I always say there's a certain level of neuroticism that comes when you meet former O-linemen. And you know this, I mean, football, especially the further up you go, it's a small world. The personality types are, are kind of stereotypical, but true. And I meet so many guys now that were O-linemen at other schools that went on or played in the NFL. And I always come away from most of those conversations like, oh yeah, that guy would have fit in perfectly in our offensive line room. He's on time to the point of being early because he's terrified of ticking off a coach or letting down his teammates. 
He's selfless in the name of others. He's usually big enough and sweaty enough to where we all struggle to get up and down stairs without huffing and puffing. So it's always nice to see our brethren out in the wild. Absolutely. And a lot of those aspects are part of the Joe Moore word. I, I didn't read anything about the huffing and puffing upstairs. That's not one of the characteristics, but those other things certainly are. And when you're a part of that, though, it certainly forms how you think about the game. And when you watch the game, the things that you're seeing, you know, you, you said it before we got going, you know, a training bias, certainly into what to you is good football. So just stepping back to that and having, again, being, been a part of that with, with Harry being a, a direct disciple of Joe Moore, you receiving that training as well. How has that really formed the way that you watch the game? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, watch the game and the way that I approach, like, everything I do in life, right? Like, football is a game that's got so many of those tenants, but, you know, when I watch the game and look at all this stuff, so much of everything with Coach Eastan that I appreciated was there wasn't a drill that we were going to rep. There wasn't a thing that we were going to do on the practice field that didn't have a direct implication in a game. Like he wasn't big on shoots. He didn't want to do a lot of ladders or anything like that. We were hand shields and we were hitting into each other because he wanted to replicate what we were going to see in a game. And the thing that I always thought separated him was you get a lot of coaches that are going to say, we're going to go through every look that we can possibly see over the course of a game. And they try and do that in most part because people want to, you know, cover them, cover themselves and make sure they've done everything and try and get everyone prepared. Coach H said, we're, we're not going to do that. I am going to give you the tools that you need. So inevitably over the course of a football game with, you know, between 70 and 90 plays in the college level, especially you're going to encounter some stuff that we couldn't prepare for some new designer blitz. They had that week, something that they wanted to try up front. And I'm going to give you the tools that we are going to drill every day and not just get through. We are going to do them and do them right. And we're not going to go to the next thing until we've nailed this thing down on the film room or in the field so that when you encounter that situation, you've got the techniques that you know to use. Hey, in this certain situation and twist, defender gives you a different part of his body. You know which part of his body to hit. They give you a different look up front. Well, we know our rules. We've talked about it as a unit. We've watched film as a unit. And so now we can go out and execute because we know our base principles, not just the looks that we've seen on paper or what we've gone up and done in a walkthrough. And so I think now the way I look at football, not only the physicality, right? Like playing for coach H playing for coach Moore, you always hear about that physicality. It's getting off the ball, sprinting off the ball, no matter what the scheme is, it's getting your backside leg through It's the backside hand. It's really creating movement off the line of scrimmage in a way that's uncommon in a lot of schemes now, but it's also, you're going to watch guys relentlessly execute the technique that we're taught over in different situations so much so that it's always clear to you. That's a Joe Moore guy. That's a Harry Heastan guy because everyone who's played under him is doing the same thing over and over and they're doing it together over and over. You're going to see those units better at passing off twists, all that stuff. And I think, Watching that, not only the physicality, but for me, the team aspect of how a unit works together. And it, it, we talk about the pillars of this award, right? It is teamwork. It is that consistency. And I think those things, when preparation meets what your opportunity is on the field, watching these units now, watching a bunch of these college football teams go out and execute that plan at a really high level, even without knowing what their specific game plan is, we can all tell having watched and lived enough of this 
to see, man, that group's really dialed in. This really matters to them, getting their hat in the right spot, making sure they're pointing out and communicating things to the rest of their line, all that stuff that you can see on tape when you look carefully enough. That, to me, is, I think, the biggest carryover from my time learning from Coach Eastand and being around that culture. In your work as you cover some games and you know you get to travel around and see some of these units on the field, even in practice, you probably noticed that in some ways since the time you played, like there is a different focus on the game, especially, you know, a lot of teams now, there's there's very few who huddle anymore, that, you know, there's this this tempo aspect even to practice. Things before where, hey, you were gonna work till the uh, echo of the whistle and, and put that guy on the ground and, you know, help your buddy up and take your time getting back as everybody was getting back to the huddle. Now it's like, okay, all those things can happen, but then you got to get up to the ball again. Yeah. You know, in, in that aspect of looking at this overall, the changes you've seen and does it in your mind change anything about the way you guys played the game versus how they're doing it now? What is still that common thread, especially because you're going to be a guy who sits down, evaluates all this tape and evaluates these teams. Yeah, you know what, Like as you started laying this out, I think there's like a good one-player sample size that kind of embodies this. Darnell Wright, who came out of Tennessee, was, the first, uh, was a top pick for the Chicago Bears this year. He's a player that to me embodies how the game has changed, but also how it stayed the same. Because the things that don't change, right, incredibly physical when given the opportunity at the line of scrimmage even within the body of one of the fastest offenses in college football that Tennessee ran this last couple of years under Josh Heupel, still chances to get after guys, big, thick double teams, getting out here and trying to reach guys on the perimeter, the nasty and finish when you've got the opportunity to try and impose your will on someone that all shows up now over the course of a long game. And as you're watching into snap 80, snap 89, snap 90, sometimes we'd see even for him, you start to get a little high. There's not going to be finish on each and every play often. Sometimes you're going to miss on a pass rush snap because you've had so many dropbacks over the course of the game. You've had so many RPOs or play action shots that are built in and kind of operate the same that maybe later on you'll see some of those wane. And obviously you're seeing an offense that now we did some RPO when I was in college, but so RPO based now. So you're seeing a guy maybe get off to try and get after somebody but then the ball's already out on the perimeter because the quarterback had his read. And so now Darnell and the rest of these guys are giving chase to their D linemen that are see ball, hit ball, running out and sprinting out away from the fight at the line of scrimmage. And so you, you kind of get to pick through a little bit of, all right, what can these guys control within the body of these offenses that change? How is tempo going to affect what you can do imposing your will physically on each and every play? But when the opportunities are there and when the plays are called that ask these guys to go out here and execute and be physical and get guys down at the line of scrimmage, are they taking advantage of them? And I thought Darnell is like a one-player sample size. To me, kind of symbolized, even in a modern college offense, still so much of the things that are important to the position are absolutely still important today. Definitely. I appreciate you bringing up that one-player sample size. And certainly we can look at that as, okay, this is a model we want all five guys looking this way and playing this way if, if we're going to play that style of offense and I know the other thing we talked about is, is you do enjoy seeing the bonds that are off the field because you feel that's an important part that does translate to game day that those things do have to that chemistry has to be developed and it just doesn't happen between the lines no and because I always tell people football is the most accountable game I think that exists 
because there's a physical penalty for mistakes, right? And this can apply to other sports, you know, rugby, hockey, things like that. But as far as what we deal with day in and day out in North American sports, especially for the offensive line, the way I always phrased it is, if my hat placement is three inches short on a D lineman, that's the difference between my buddy who plays quarterback or running back and cracked upside the head and his day potentially getting altered, his career potentially getting altered, or at the very least, him just not feeling so great because he just got hit by a 300-pound defensive tackle. And so what does that require? Like, it requires you to know where I'm giving help and where I'm receiving help at all times on the offensive line. None of us are good enough athletes to go one-on-one more often than not with the freak shows they got playing D-line. And so we've got to have five guys working as one. And you see that show up in certain ways on the field, right? When and how guys approach double teams, the timing on pass plays when a guy who's uncovered is going to go and look for work, how a tackle sets a defensive end, knowing if he's got help coming from that side on the slide, knowing if he's got help from a tight end or a running back. All of these things are certainly built up in practice time, but the running joke for us at Notre Dame, especially with Coach Eastan there, was you never saw one O-liner. You always saw the group, whether it was going to a meal, whether it was going to study film, whether it was doing stuff outside of football. He believed that you had to have that kind of trust in each other on and off the field, and you needed reps of doing all this stuff, talking through all this stuff. We would Our offensive line test that Coach Eastan would give us the night before games, we would all sit in a room and talk through it together because what does it matter if any one of us can get all the answers right to the test for just our position. We got to know what the guy next to us is doing. We got to know what the guy next to us is thinking about the problem that's being posed. And so we would go through and that would be another opportunity after the film sessions, after the walkthroughs, after the meetings for us to talk through that on our own without coach around and continue to go through that. And so, yeah, every time I get a chance to talk to players now and especially the young offensive linemen that are playing, that's the one thing I'm always curious about is what do you guys do off the field? What are, you know, what, what's your Thursday night dinner every week, especially in the NIL era? Who's paying you to come have a Thursday night dinner at their place? And, and how do you think that influences the way you guys all go to work together? Because I, I remember seeing at the highest level when I got to training camp with the New Orleans Saints, Zach Streep and Jari Evans were the right uh, tackle and right guard respectively and had been for like nine years there together. And watching the way they operated in the meeting room, Every offensive lineman has calls for certain situations, working together, combination, center guard, guard tackle. Zach and Ja didn't use the words anymore. They had seen so many reps through the same set of eyes that we'd see on the field. Hey, safety's moving down near the box, might be bluffing a little bit. And all Zach would say is, Ja, Ja, Ja. And Ja would go, I got it, I got it, I got it. Like They both knew exactly where the other was going to go because they had all that time on and off the field built up together. And so uh, I think all that stuff matters. I think this is a position where every little waking moment you can get with the other guys in your unit is super valuable. Yeah, definitely. A couple things I want to point out in there that I think are important. And I believe it was Dante Scarnecchia at the cool clinic a couple years ago where he was talking about, I think his title of his talk was Things I've Learned. He, he had no film to show, but it was, to me, one of the best coaching uh, presentations I've ever seen. And he talked about giving that quiz, that test to his players, and that exact thing, you know, that it was fine that they worked on it together because they have to work together on game day. And I think, you know, the, the offensive line, more than any other position, I, I think that's an approach, really, any offensive line coach who gives a quiz – and, and uh, gives that check for understanding, let them do it as a group. They have to do that. They have to have that communication. And the other thing is that communication. 
it, I think the the best offensive lines that I coached had that language that I, I honestly, like we would install the calls, right? Beginning of camp, spring ball, whatever. And then you go out there and listen and like, I don't recognize this language at all. <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> you know, and that's okay. Like to me, they, they owned it. And that's an important part of this. I mean, these, these are not guys who, who are renters. They want to own everything that they do. And I think that's, that's the things you pointed out here are so important. What's cool is, too, like you can see that show up on tape, right, when a group's really dialed in. It's, all right, when I'm watching the end zone copy and I see the center, the left guard, and the left tackle all pointing out the same guy, all like, who cares if the defense thinks they know what we're about to do? Let's make sure we're all on the same page. Like you said, from the time I was in Little League, my dad would tell me about all the guys that he played with. He was working with Mark Schlereth, who was a part of all those great lines in Denver and Washington. And they would make up different names, you know, instead of like A, B, and C or Slip or something like that, it'd be Snot, Grease, it'd be stuff like that, that was their way of communicating to each other in the very special O-line love language, how we all get through that. But uh, again, like you said, whatever it is, it's all about everyone doing it. It's that old, hey, if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make it at 100 miles an hour. On the offensive line, if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make it together. And that way, we all know where we're supposed to be going. And if we're making a mistake, it's at the spot that we've all collectively planned on. I love it. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot team m-o-f-o dot com slash demo and mention coaching coordinator podcast or use the coupon code cc10 to receive 10 percent off your first year the other aspect of this which i think is so cool and you pointed out a prototypical single offensive lineman but this is not a single and individual award this is awarded to a unit it's the only one like it in sports and in doing so, you guys have a tall task in, in front of you. We talked about that training bias and the things that you prefer, and certainly there's probably schemes that you prefer, but that's not what you're looking at here and evaluating. And you see that in the results of what's, you know, some of the teams that have, have risen to the top over the years here. You know, one 
sticks out in my mind is Air Force, right? Yep. They're 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 not running an offense like like anybody else. Maybe two other teams, right, that do that in the academies, but yet you guys were able to say that these guys are finalists. These guys are contenders because of the way that they do things. And you know, for you, you mentioned a, really a filter for that being three things. What do you ask to do? What are the resources you have to do it? And how well do you do it? So talk to us a little bit about being able to go through all these different styles, whether it's an air raid team who's throwing the ball 70 times a game or a triple option team who's running it 70 times a game. Again, like it goes back to even being taught in a specific way like I was with Coach Eastan, our three rules were do our job, use our technique, and whip their ass. Like So it's exactly what we just talked about, phrased a little bit more bluntly. And part of what helps that is we've got so many guys watching all this tape, having these conversations, like you mentioned, LZ, Aaron, Jeff Schwartz, Duke Mannyweather, like all these guys that have tons of experience around the position, way more than I do but also from different backgrounds, learn from different ways under a lot of different coaches. And so having guys to make sure that if someone's got a blind spot to a certain thing, we've got somebody who's got an expertise or experience in that area certainly helps, but it it always boils down to, too, are you a part of the reason why a team is having success on offense or are you along for the ride? And that's where we can use stats to certainly get our eyes in some of the right places, right? If a team is having monster rushing output, yards before contact are there. Some of the numbers that we can know can kind of indicate where good offensive line play is happening. That's a start. But then once you get eyes on the situation, especially like we talked about with modern offenses where so much of it's spread, no huddle, jet handoffs, RPOs, it's looking and then really getting down to the nitty gritty and saying, all right, when this group up front is called upon to be the reason, are they digging guys out of place? Are they creating holes? Are they executing whatever technique they're asked to do consistently across the board, right? I don't have to be in that O-line room to necessarily be able to tell, all right, when I turn on tape, if I see them doing something consistently over two, three, four games that I'm watching of these guys, that's the technique. That's what they're being taught. That's why O-line coaches, like you, like you would know, are so prideful about guys going out and executing because that's a direct reflection of the coach. And so, again, it's, yeah, what resources do you have at hand? The resources at Air Force are different than the resources at Georgia or at Notre Dame or at Michigan or at Oklahoma. And so it's, all right, you got a little bit smaller bodies. They're going to be in different stances, different offense there. What are they asked to do? Do they go out there and do it to the best of their ability physically? Are there things that look familiar technique-wise when they get into situations where no matter what offense you're in, a reach drive cutoff block is the same. A double team is more or less the same in all of these things, regardless of how you dress it up around it. And then what's the result look like on the back end? Are they number one, keeping guys from getting to the ball? And then number two, and this is another one of the big tenants of the award, are you trying to finish guys? Are you setting that physical tone? Are you acting as the point of the spear when you've got opportunities within whatever your offense might be? And some offenses might give you a chance to do that each and every play. Other offenses, one of the ones that want to air it out a little bit more, might give you those opportunities every once in a while. Pass protection may have to be the place where you make more of your physical mark because your team's going to drop back 50-plus times a game. And so trying to figure out as we watch and go through and talk to people, what's this team asked to do, what are the resources they have to do it, and then how well do they execute on that plan, I think ultimately becomes the best way that – we can remove a bias for teams that run the ball more teams that run with a certain scheme and and try and evaluate this as, Hey, who's the best unit going out there and living up to the things that we know have to be consistent. 
I know in talking to the guys who are a part of this, and, and again, starting with Aaron Taylor and meeting him and, and really digging into this, all the different layers of this award is really, it's unique. And you guys are doing some great stuff with this all the way down to the foundation and how this, this goes on to help people beyond the game. But I think all of you, yourself included, see this as a, a, a responsibility to the game that all you guys take great pride in being part of this. It's not just a, a check the box activity. You know, Aaron's talked to me about some of the, the Zoom calls you guys have where you, you're getting into it, but there's a lot of passion involved in this too. How, how do you see this as a responsibility and how important do you feel this is to the game that you guys keep doing what you do? I think first and foremost, right, it's a position of unsung heroes more often than not. You know, everyone always says, oh, Lyman's only getting his name called during a game usually when something's gone wrong, a penalty, a missed block. And so I think being able to highlight and support rooms full of guys that we've lived a similar life of, we know what they're experiencing, we know what they're going through, and to shine a light on, hey, just what a high level so many of these young men and these coaches are executing at and are delivering at for their teams. And so getting a chance to do right by the players and the coaches is really satisfying getting to see the way that this has become a goal for so many teams, for so many players, and that they've embraced how unique this award is because it does honor the group. And because so many teams recognize the work that their offensive lines put in, in order to make everything go, that's been incredibly gratifying. And I think first and foremost, that's the responsibility we feel is to do right by the people that are actually putting it out there on the line each and every day. But then, uh, and I think you can appreciate this as much as anybody, we live in a time where there is so much more information available about the sport and people that are genuinely interested. We see analytics-based sites even trying to work harder to quantify offensive line play, to try and find ways as people are realizing more and more that this is really the engine that makes it go and trying to understand. I appreciate the effort. And now it's our job to continue to meet those people halfway and say, all right, hey, we see where you're trying to look at here. Here's a couple of things that might help you better understand the position. Here are a few things that when you're watching a football game on Saturday or Sunday from now on, you can look and point out and explain to other people around you, oh, this is what they were trying to do on that play. This is the technique that they're looking for in this situation. And I think just trying to find those little continued opportunities to teach and, and be ambassadors for the position at a time where there seems to be a genuine interest in it, which is really exciting is another part of this. We take seriously. And it's why, you know, you see the Joe Moore account and all the guys that work around the award, trying to put out clips, trying to explain things the way that we see, you know, guys like Dan Orlovsky on ESPN do for the quarterback position, do for all those things that we know everybody loves. Everybody wants to know. I like watching those videos, but for people and as people continue to show more interest in O-line, I think then it falls part of it on us to make sure we're doing a good job of explaining this to people in a way that reaches them as we honor all these athletes. Well, it's been great to see the evolution of this award and really that it's it come into the spotlight for a lot of teams. You see that logo used, I think, all over football. Now, I'm pretty sure every high school coach in America uses the Joe yeah. Moore Award logo somewhere in what they do. But, it, but again, it's a, a great award. You guys are doing great work. I know we have Aaron Taylor kicking off the Cool Clinic on May 18th with his talk and presentation about what this award is and digging into it a little bit more and talking about how they award this. And the leader of last year's unit, Sharon Moore, will be speaking there as well. So a lot of ties to the Joe Moore Award in that Cool Clinic and 
Um, we're looking forward to that as well. So thank you, Mike, for taking the time and digging into offensive line play with us and uh, appreciate all that you guys do. No, thank you. Appreciate it. It was great, uh, great talking here. And uh, thank you for helping us, you know, spread more awareness and, and get to talk more about this award that we all are very passionate about and care a lot about. We appreciate it. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, define what exactly you want offensive line play to look like. This is the idea we've shared before of Billy Napier's ignition reels, where they do exactly that with video clips of NFL players executing, finishing, etc. in a way that they want it done at the University of Florida. Before you hit the practice field this fall, having those visuals that you can point to and go back to and then compare your unit and individual's own execution and effort as a way of getting your alignment and unit to that as their standard. The Joe Moore Award criteria serves as a great example for what an offensive line unit should look like. Two, always make it about the group. Find ways to promote the chemistry like the idea mentioned with group tests. It's something that's come up in conversations with coaches like Dante Scarnecchia and players like Hall of Famer Joe Thomas. I'll link those episodes in the show notes. And three, get the players to own it. We discuss setting up a framework with how things are installed, like line calls, but allow them to have calls and communication that help them beyond what you install as a coach. You want your offensive line to be owners, not renters. Coach them and support them in owning everything that they do. I'll link the Joe Moore Award O-Line University course in the show notes. It's 50% off right now and makes a detailed teaching tool that you can sit down with your offensive line this summer Show the techniques, show the standards, show the philosophy and beliefs that are behind what's awarded every year to the best offensive line. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources, articles, and with our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.